Welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast, presented by the National Federation of the Blind, the transformative membership and advocacy organization of blind Americans. Live the life you want. Hello, and welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast. I'm Melissa Riccobono, and I'm here with... Neil Lewis, and I love the Nation's Blind Podcast, and hopefully our listeners do too. I love our listeners. Looking forward to another interesting topic today. I think that one of the things that's most amazing to me when I think about the National Federation of the Blind is how diverse we are in so many aspects of blindness and people participating actively in society. You know, we have a host of groups and divisions that highlight all the various intersections between blindness and the rest of the world. Well, and sometimes those are the places where people begin their federation journey. I know I began in the Wisconsin Association of Blind Students and then went into the national organization, uh, I mean, sorry, the National Association of Blind Students, NABS, before I even went to my first convention. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in my first convention, the thing that really brought me in and and, and made me super excited was our human services division, because I Mm -hmm. wanted to be a psychologist and I, I knew I could, but I didn't know how I would. And that was just being in a room with other people who were doing that job mm-hmm. was so meaningful to me and just made me so excited and made me know that the National Federation of the Blind, even more than I knew before, was truly the place for me. Yeah, I agree. And, and the real power of that is, like you said, you're in a room of individuals with similar interests, but also that have acquired various strategies to deal with the barriers that we as blind people face and trying to reach those goals. So sharing those common strategies, commiserating about those problems, mm-hmm. but also remaining to be positive and supportive of one another throughout those challenges that we face. Right. And then also educating the larger federation sometimes about mm-hmm. the things that that particular group mm-hmm. faces. Students educating us, parents educating us, There's so much education that goes on. And of course, the other nice thing about our divisions is they're not just stagnant. We don't just have a division forever and leave it alone. They grow, they change. Sometimes they change to a group, which is just as powerful, just a little bit of a different structure. But we also get new divisions from time to time. And we're so excited today to welcome someone who has started a brand new division just at convention time, I believe. Is that is that right from what you understand, O'Neill? Well, I, I think two things before we introduce our distinguished guest. One is yes. the other benefit of the divisions is not just the internal education, but also the way that divisions can really educate the external world. You talked about you as a professional in counseling. And we recognize that some of the biggest barriers that blind people face is the ignorance of people in those professional spaces. So with the division around human services, then they can also educate those external entities that are responsible for creating opportunities. And then the other piece, giving this young man his due, uh, I think that he will be the first to say that he didn't do it on his own. So I agree with you. Uh, Spearheading the development of this division does go to the credit of Sean Calloway, who we're blessed to have as our guest this day on the Nation's Blind podcast. He's also a national board member and also the president of our NFB of the District of Columbia. Sean, welcome to the Nation's Blind podcast. Oh, man, it is an honor and a pleasure to be with you and Melissa. You know, I respect both of you immensely and the work you've done within the organization and the blind community. So when I say this, honor, I, I really do mean it. So thank you for having me. Very nice. Thank you for being here. And and you, I think, have some radio experience, if I'm not wrong. So this is old hat for you. 
Oh, pretty much. Yeah, I've been doing radio for about six or seven years now. A show called Open Our Eyes, which focuses on disability inclusion. So radio and podcasts are old hat to me, but, you know, I love it. And I love coming on other people's shows instead of me doing the interviewing. <laughs> I have forgotten that you had me as a guest on your show. So I guess we're finally reciprocating. So good. Now I'm I'm in the control seat, so I get to bounce you around. Yeah. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> well, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, I know you are. We, we've already kind of set the tone in the intro talking about the makeup of the National Federation of the Blind and uh, the mm -hmm. fact that we have divisions within the organization. And with you, we haven't even talked about it. It's the National Organization of Blind Black Leaders within the National Federation of the Blind. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how it started? Oh, man, Anil, it started back in 2018. And like any other uh, organizational business would have you, all, it always starts with an idea or someone's uh sort of a comment or quote. We, we were in Orlando, Florida in 2018, and myself and Dr. Rosie Carranza, we were leading a DEI committee meeting. And during this committee meeting, people were asking, well, we asked the question on what people think about the needs of the organization in regard to diversity. So a woman named Florence Myers McSwine from Indiana stood up and said, she said, you know, I love the Federation. I love coming to national conventions. I just love meeting all kinds of blind people. But she said, one thing I don't do a lot is meet blind black women like myself because we have a sort of shared experience. And I just want to meet other blind black women who are just like me. She said, that's no disrespect to the many of people I meet, but you always want to meet someone who's sharing the same experiences as yourself. And so with that comment by Florence, we started the Black Leader Serving for Advancement which, you know, our, our common goal, which is in the same goal as for our division, is really to come together in the spirit of commonality, but to recruit and to retain the members that we have within the Federation who are uh, African-American. So that's how it all got started. And since then, Anil, um, you know, since 2018, we've done a whole lot, I mean, from programming to developing uh, sort of specialized groups for people to really feel welcoming at home within this particular division or at the time, of course, group. So that's how I kind of all got started back in 2018. Wow. Pre-pandemic. Yep. Indeed. So beyond what you were, were talking about there, mm -hmm. I get creating a space for, you know, Black people within the organization to get together. Mm -hmm. What is the true purpose? Is it just an opportunity for the Black members of the NFB to socialize? No, no, no. Goes beyond socialization, definitely. So, for example, a lot of our members, you know, don't have sort of a, a mentor. Like, so one of our main purposes is to sort of mentor young African-American members or even new members into the organization. Right. So they can have that sort of comfort in knowing that they're, again, commonality. They can talk to someone who's uh, sharing that same experience. Let me give you a pr prime example. Many African-Americans, and I'm sure a lot of people uh, as well uh, across the country in different places of worship have issues, but especially in the black church, right? And mm -hmm. quite often individuals go to these churches and they're marginalized, extremely marginalized. And so they don't have anyone to reach out to to say, you know, I'm being marginalized in my place of worship. Like, so basically for myself, because I worship in a Baptist church as well, Right. They can come to me and we can have this discussion on how you have this approach on, on letting your church leadership know that we are blind and we have a place within the church home. So mm -hmm. it, it all again, Manil, it's not about just getting together, but it's about 
sort of teaching, building leaders, teaching them the nuances about the organization itself, because we put the organization first. For example, another example, starting off on our, our meetings that we have, we, we do the NFB pledge, mm-hmm. recite the one minute message. We know that blindness is what brought us together. So we will never put ourselves in a position, uh, Melissa and Neil, to divide ourselves from the organization because keep in mind, it was the organization that brought us together. And of course, many of you know and who are listening how much I love the Federation. There's no way I would be someone who would lead such an organization to keep us away from everyone. We want to still be a part of the organization. We'll never divide ourselves from the organization. Enhancing our organization, again, through recruitment, retaining, and, and sort of also teaching. I appreciate you you answering the question. It, it really was kind of self-serving because, you know, my own personal experience can, can really speak to the truth of why that's a need. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I count as significant mentors in my life, you know, Dr. Mark Maurer, Alan Harris, and any any number. And these, for the sake of our listeners, are, are white members of our organization. Mm-hmm. Mark Riccobono and I grew up in the organization together. But I'll tell you, it really would not have been uh, possible for me to grow in leadership in this organization if I didn't develop the relationship that I had with Sam Gleeks. Mm-hmm. He was the president of the Mississippi affiliate, a black minister out of Mississippi. And of course, Ron Brown, was crucial in, in my development, a black member, president of Indiana affiliate at the time, national board members, both. But that happened kind of organically, mm-hmm. uh, just based on my interaction with the organization. And unfortunately, I've seen so many other members who they didn't have the luck of the draw mm-hmm. that way. And what happens is being a subset of society, many of our black members deal with the societal misconceptions around the race mm-hmm. uh, that lead to them not really getting to know what the NFB is about. So I really love the fact that you talked about not only the mentoring and the training up and the shared experiences, but also focusing on the fact that it is about building the NFB. And I, I, I attend as many of the meetings as I possibly can. I love that it, it starts with the NFB players. And I love that you, yourself, Richard, Suzanne, and the others are always talking about building membership and building leaders and getting people committed to the blind movement. Amen. And I thank you for that, Anil. And I think, you know, and I'm I'm going to mix those names definitely before we conclude, because again, as you stated at the beginning, it's not a one man show. But mm-hmm. one of the things I never forget, and you know this story back in 2011, I was at the home of Don Galloway and Don has mm-hmm. said, you know, he said you should consider running for the president of the D.C. affiliate. And he said, well, if you decide to do this, you make sure you call Anil Lewis. And so I had that fast track to you to you know, guide me and, and provide me mentorship. But a lot of these young folks within the organization don't have that. And so that's what we kind of wanted as well. So they don't have to sort of wait for somebody to tell them to be mentored. They can have mentors on the spot through the uh, mm-hmm. National Organization of Blind Black Leaders. So it's it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, I, I truly enjoy the, the mentorship of it. I truly, truly enjoy I've, I've mentored some wonderful young leaders uh, I'll call them out like uh, Chris Crawley in South Carolina, Kwali Ford in Maryland, Derek Simons back in South Carolina as well. So, you know, just working with these young folks, it has been a joy and a pleasure. So yeah, I, I truly appreciate that comment, Anil. I think it helps too. You know, of course, we're all blind people, right? So let me let me just say the elephant in the room. Sure. You know, sometimes black or white, mm-hmm. brown, you know, I don't care to, in, in the sense that it doesn't matter to me. But as far as getting mentors and things like that, I think it's great if a black member says, oh, 
these people are in the black leaders, they must be a little bit more like me. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. What I also really appreciate as a as a blind white woman is the education that that you do. I love that you guys are always out there on our email list, telling us what you're doing, inviting us to be a part of your meetings, your Black History Month education, whatever it is that you're doing. Because as a white mm -hmm. woman, I don't always think about, I, I mm -hmm. think about the intersectionality between myself as a woman mm -hmm. and as a blind woman, mm -hmm. but I didn't always understand or know very much. I grew up in a very <laughs> middle-class white community. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of th the black experience was much more something I learned at school and thought, oh, it must be horrible for those people. But of course, it was all sighted people mm -hmm. I was learning about. Mm -hmm. And of course, it was, you know, it was, was those people. Mm -hmm. And now it's friends of mine mm -hmm. that I care about first because they're friends and now have more of an appreciation of, oh, wow, they're dealing with this because they're blind. Mm -hmm. They're dealing with this because of their race. How can I be a better ally? And I think one of the ways to be a better ally is just to educate myself and, and just to hear other people's stories. Melissa, thank you for bringing that up because, yeah, we put on our listservs, especially about some of the programming that we have throughout the year. And a lot of people who are not of color have attended and they have, they have participated. And this has been so welcoming to what we're trying to do and have an understanding of what we're trying to do. And it has been a wonderful educational tool for everyone. We've I've actually had conversations with folks after some of our uh, events and meetings and things of that nature, just to have that discussion. So I really pre appreciate your transparency and really discussing that. And that's the thing, again, that's the misconception about the division and, and not, you know, uh, being welcoming and trying to divide us as an organization. That's not the case at all. We are very welcoming to everyone who wants to participate with us. And, that, and that's the beauty of our National Organization of Blind Black Leaders is that, you know, we, we, we're very inclusive and we want to teach and we want people to learn about sort of our experiences, struggles. As a matter of fact, let me just bring this up real quick, Melissa. A few months ago, we had on a woman named Dr. Monique Coleman. And Dr. Coleman did a research study on African-American women and having their children go through the uh, sort of the IEP process and the educational process and um, in public schools in New Jersey. And so that was an eye opener for myself because I, I have a sighted child, so I don't know about the IEP process for a child. And so she was very enlightening and teaching everyone about sort of the struggles and the, the ups and downs of a, of, a, of a black mother who has a child in the IEP process in the New Jersey school system. So those are just some of the things we try to bring awareness about. Yeah, and I love the, the fact that Melissa was vulnerable enough to to talk about the fact that it's what she doesn't know mm -hmm. is what's so important about this and focusing on education. Because even in the example that you gave, a lot of people don't recognize that there are going to be different challenges for a young black blind student in the school systems because it's not their lived experience. But right. I love the fact that the National Organization of Blind Black Leaders creates that space where I've, I've seen, you know, black, white, otherwise, all their learning. So there are some individuals that may think this is unnecessary, but I think that they're probably just not aware that there are unique differences, different barriers and hurdles that have to be jumped or, or overcome when you have these various characteristics. And I think the case of point is Melissa talking about her intersectionality as a woman. I, mm -hmm. I don't know the unique challenges that women face in growing in this organization. But when we create a space to have these relationships and talk to people about it, we can learn more and come to overcome them. Mm -hmm. the, the, the other piece I, I really like what you're talking about is, you know, the young people that we're mentoring 
it's motivating for me. Mm-hmm. When I can interact with these young black men, especially because that's my lived experience and get them to to understand things so that they don't have to deal with the same struggles that I had. It makes me feel good. It makes my, my life have purpose. I, I, I'll give a quick example and hopefully this will make sense to people. Long before I was blind, I was mentoring young black youth in the inner city because that's where I grew up. Right. And I would go to them and I would speak in the vernacular because I grew up in the hood. And I spoke to them in that way because that's the way I'd be accepted, right? If I came in speaking proper English, then they would have thought that I was being sedity or stuck <laughs> up. So I spoke to them in the vernacular, but I also let them know that if they wanted to go to work in corporate America, then they would need to learn how to speak proper English. Not in a way that made their, I'll call it native language inferior, because I definitely think vernacular has swagger to it. It, it has a style and a sense... You know, so I never want them to make, never want them to feel like they were lesser because they spoke that way. So I framed it in a way to let them understand that now you're multilingual. You know, uh, if you mm-hmm. go to France, you're going to be much better off if you speak French. So me being able to talk to them through my lived experience and understanding made a significant difference in their lives beyond anyone else who would have come to talk to mm-hmm. them about the same thing. Yes, indeed. That's that's extremely important. And the so far, I crossed 50 last year and um one <laughs> I mean I always felt like I was a mentor. Yeah. Now I just have this renewed energy in, in regards to just being even a bigger and a better mentor, you know, yeah. when you reach that status. So that's what it's all about. And you know, that's what we're all about is just sort of just giving back and, you know, sharing those experiences to empower folks. So I know the mentoring that I have done I never know who gets more out of a relationship sometimes Mm. because you learn so much being a mentor. And and again, just like you were sort of saying, I think there are some things that are very similar to when you were growing up. I think there's probably things that are different too. So you learn, that's that's just the beauty of it. You learn things from the people that you're a a mentor for Mm -hmm. uh, and you can still mentor them through that, but you're also learning and really staying abreast of the things that are needed to be discussed. And and I'm sure that there have been kind of aha moments of, oh, we should really have a, a topic for one of our meetings about that. That's a really good idea. Oh, no question. No question. I'd never forget mentoring a person who was actually not of color. And young man and I had an experience of, you know, having our children at the same time. He was much younger than I, of course. I had my child pretty late. But just learning from him about his experience as a blind parent and, you know, I'm I'm mentoring him, but he's teaching me. So, so that really speaks to your point you just made, Listen, Yeah, but I, I want to step up and, and save your marriage right now because you didn't have that child. Uh, your wife did. And so oh, I, I apologize. <laughs> I, I apologize. I know and you, you know love it like a princess, though. <laughs> I, I, the love that you share for your daughter in Facebook yes. and in this conversation, that's exemplary. I appreciate that. Yes. I, I think that the other piece that's also very important is if we don't do this, I think that that's a question. If, if we don't do it, because a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, are really still trying to understand it. Mm-hmm. But if we don't, we lose some of that talent. And as the yes. organization, National Federation, mm-hmm. Blind, we, we don't have the luxury of not being able to tap into the talent of every blind person mm-hmm. who feels like they want to be part of this movement. And I think that what what we're doing here taps into a, a relatively disenfranchised population of membership. Mm-hmm. And I've already seen some really good impacts from 
from those interactions and, and the discussions and the presentations and the meetings. And and the thing that's really interesting to me, I, 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 hope, <laughs> mm. I, hope, I hope Debbie forgives me, but I know that, that the Maryland affiliate had a, a, a Black History trivia night. And uh, you know, you're sitting there and I'm saying, but Debbie Brown out of the Sligo Creek chapter, I mean, she was knocking it out of the park. <laughs> Debbie, <laughs> uh, the white white woman member of the Sligo Creek chapter. But I mean, she knew her black history. And I think that's the goal. You know, we're trying to get to a place where, as Melissa was saying, we can educate one another. And the more knowledge we have, the better we're able to work together and the better we're able to serve humanity. And I think that really speaks to the whole mission of the National Federation of the Blind. If we work aggressively and collectively to educate people about blindness, then we Mm -hmm. have a better opportunity to really fully participate. And if we're going to do that in the context of blindness, then we have to provide as much support to the various individuals with varying intersectionalities within the organization to make sure that message goes forward. Well, we're stronger together, right? Like you said, Anil, we need everybody. We say that all the time and it is so true. Mm -hmm. And if we don't grow our own Nobody else is going to do yeah. it. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And it's a beautiful thing. That's why I love this organization and the people because of the love amongst everyone in the diverse populations. And I've, I've never personally for myself, and I can't speak for everyone's experience, but I've had some wonderful experiences with everyone. My mentors have not only been people of color, but not of color as well. You know, I always think of the, the Kathy Jacksons and the and the Scott Labar's, late Scott Labar and Jeannie Massey, and you know, just individuals like that who helped me not only be a better federationist, but a better person, a better blind person. So it's a beautiful thing. And that's what we want to put forth to our, our membership as well, our young uh, African-American members, especially that, hey, we're here. You know what I mean? We're here and we, we will help you in this journey because again, we know that you're going to take what you learn from this organization and bring awareness to your community. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing we, we want to press upon as well. Let's call it noble. Let's call it noble. That's what we say. That's the organization of <laughs> five black leaders, noble. noble. <laughs> so. That's nice. I love that. I love that. And then yep. the, the two two things I really want to, there's such a rich history already within this organization. I, I, I forget which year, but President Ricabono did a banquet speech. And you talked about some of the black leaders, Mm -hmm. you know, historically within the organization. And I have to admit, a lot of it I did not know. And he did it in a way that was so appropriate, right? Because he talked about the parallel struggles that we had with racism, you know, within the blindness movement and how we dealt with it, but did it in a way that showed that it was black leaders within the organization that continued to move forward within this organization in concert with the rest of the membership that allowed us to continue to grow as an organization. I wish I would have done my research and gotten that particular banquet speech. Maybe we can put it in the footnotes. I bet uh, we can put it in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that, that that's really what we're doing here, making sure that that messaging continues to to be present, right? So that people can gain confidence, pride, whatever you want to call it, in, in their lived experience and in the characteristics that they distribute as members of this organization. Yes, indeed. And that banquet speech, I believe, was in 2021. I've been moved by many speeches by, by both President Riccobono and Dr. Maurer, but that one right there gave me chills. It was a history lesson within about 15, 20 minutes. I mean, it was it was unbelievable that like you and Neil, I, there were certain things I did not know. So I, I learned a ton from that. And shout out to President Riccobono, Mark Riccobono, quite honestly. You know, Melissa, I, I love what you say. Look, let's 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 be real. Let's the elephant in the room, you know. 
I knew he was going to take some hits for this in regards to the criticism of, of what was out there, but he stood behind us, man, and supported us through this whole effort. And so I really got to shout out Mark Riccobono for his support of this division. Yeah, he, he continues to be fearless and, and so many issues that he faces as an organization. So absolutely, yep. I co-sign on that all day. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what, what are some of the changes? What's in the future for Noble? What's in the future for Noble? Well, we have several things going on in Neil. Of course, we always have our, our monthly meetings with different presenters from the community itself. But we have several working groups. We have a blind Black women's group, a blind Black seniors group, a blind Black leaders group. We have a mentor and outreach group. And also we have a few committees, HBCU committee, which our plans are to reach out to our HBCUs in regards to bringing awareness. And for your listeners, HBCU is Historically Black College yes. and Universities. Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry for the acronym, but yes, HBCU. <laughs> so, yep, uh, we have a health and wellness component, which we discuss health within the um, blind Black community. And so uh, also we have our, our communications team, again, to reach out to the broader community to really share what we're doing as a organization, the National Federation of the Blind. So we got a lot of things just going on. And it's all about bringing awareness about the blindness community, especially in the African-American community. So that's our thing. And we want to teach our community because our community really doesn't know about blindness in a sense. People always think because you're black, black people are going to treat you the same in a sense. But no, we get we get marginalized by our own people, you know, yeah. because they have no understanding about blindness and our capability as blind people. So we definitely want to bring awareness to our communities that in which we come from. So some of those groups that I mentioned and um, the committees that I mentioned is sort of established to help with that effort of bringing awareness about the blind black community within our own communities. Cause that's where we kind of, you know, dwell in a sense. Wonderful. Well, I, for one, cannot wait to see what Noble does in the future. I think your future is bright. You are certainly a vibrant, division. If people want to join the Noble, do you guys have your own website? Can they get a hold of you? What would be the best way for them to get involved? Great, great question. And I, I'm working with Dave Andrews with our listserv because we had to, of course, change names and all that other stuff. But for, for right now, if you want to be a part of the National Organization of Blind Black Leaders, you can contact me via email at Callaway, C-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y dot Sean, S-H-A-W-N at gmail.com. And, and before we conclude, I, I definitely want to shout out some of the, the members who very responsible, extremely responsible for this effort of bringing Noble to the forefront. That'll be Richard Payne, Denise Vaughn, Suzanne Turner, Denise Brown, Lashana Font, Candace Chapman, Dr. Carolyn Peters, and Lee Martin. So it's a beautiful thing. And uh, so if you want to reach out to me, again, callaway.shawn at gmail.com. Thank you so much. That is great. Anything else, Anil, that you want to know from Sean? I think I know all I want to know. I'm looking forward to learning more, though, as we move forward. And, uh, of course, I'm pledging my help in whatever way I can. I appreciate it, Neil, Neil and Melissa. I, I really appreciate this opportunity. And, by the way, before we go, I do want to say, Neil, it has been a pleasure to be introduced as Sean Calloway on this podcast. Because when I was at the Washington Seminar, I was walking around and you know talking to people. And I can't tell you how many times I would stop and say, hey, Neil. I'm like, dude, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. like, but you know, that's, that's that's mutual. That's mutual. I get, I get, Sean, I get Ron, I get Roller. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that that's real. Yeah, yeah. yes, it is. I appreciate yes, it that. Is, so. But but just just to show that this will probably get 
on the cutting room floor. But Jessica Beecham has also been called the Neil. And most recently, oh, wow. Mark Riccobono has been called the Neil. So, <laughs> you know, some, some of my members aren't as discriminating as others. They're just, you I know. got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anytime I'm compared to any and all of the above, I still count it as an honor. And I have been honored to have you here on the podcast. Really good, healthy discussion. And I'm hoping that we, through the work that you and all of the members of Noble are conducting, that we continue to build the National Federation of the Blind. Thank you, Melissa and Anil, once again. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Each year, the National Federation of the Blind offers blind college and graduate students in the 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico the opportunity to win one of 30 scholarships worth $8,000 each. Applications for the 2023 National Federation of the Blind Scholarship class are being accepted now. Applicants must be legally blind in both eyes, must be 18 years of age by July 1, 2023, must be pursuing or planning to pursue a full-time post-secondary course of study in a degree program at a U.S. institution in the fall of 2023, and must participate in person in the entire NFB National Convention being held July 1st through 6th in Houston, Texas, and in all of its scheduled scholarship program activities. Finalists will receive assistance to attend the National Convention. To learn more and to start your online application, visit nfb.org slash scholarships. The entire online application must be completed and submitted by March 31st, 2023. Good luck. Well, Melissa, there's another one for the books. Really good dialogue. Really excited about the work that the National Organization of Blind Black Leaders will be able to do on behalf of the National Federation of the Blind. What, what were your thoughts? I love this new division. And I love speaking with Sean Calloway because you can just tell he gives his all to whatever he's associated with, whether it be being a dad to his daughter, his radio show, giving Krispy Kreme donuts at the Washington (laughs) seminar or Noble. Sean is just a fantastic, vibrant guy who sees work that has to be done and doesn't shy away from doing it. And I, I just really appreciated being a part of the interview and Really appreciated, quite honestly, Anil, just listening to you and Sean talk as two guys who happen to be Black and who happen to be blind. And that was that was a, a really great thing. And I hope that people will share this. You know, we want people to understand our divisions. We, we always want you to share a podcast. But particularly this one, I think there has been some misunderstanding about what this new division is for. <laughs> and so if you're listening to this and you had questions and your questions have been answered, please share it with others. Because if you had questions, probably other people do too. Yeah, agreed. I can be reflective on some of this too, because I, I realized that some of the uncomfortableness of the conversation is when it's a topic that you can't personally relate to through your lived experience. That's when you should lean in. When you're really not understanding, then try to understand. Don't just default to a place where you don't recognize the value of it without really trying to to understand it first. And I think that this conversation was helpful. Hopefully it was helpful for a lot of individuals to get them to a place where they can understand a little bit better. But we do want people to talk about this and and other episodes of the Nation's Blind podcast is only through feedback from all of our listeners. The good, the bad, the ugly is. Hopefully it's more good than bad or ugly. Any potential topics that you think may be helpful for us to to dive down in? Because I, I like the discussions that we have that are 
meaningful like this. I also like the discussions that we have that are just pure fun, but we'd like to do it in a way that's responsive to what our listeners want, not just what Anil and Melissa or Chris wants us <laughs> to do. So please feel free to reach out to us through all those social media avenues that you have to contact the National Federation of the Blind. Yeah, NFB underscore voice on Twitter and on Facebook. You can search for National Federation of the Blind. And I think we're on Instagram and TikTok too. I I don't know as much about how to find us there, but I'm sure if you search for National Federation of the Blind, you'll be able to get a good idea of where we are and you can leave us feedback in any of those ways. And we really do appreciate you listening to this podcast and we're always happy to bring it to you. But again, without you, there'd be no one to bring it to. (laughs) So thank you very much for your listening and for your support. But we still have fun because Melissa and I enjoy one another. So, but we want you guys to have fun as well. So until then, remember, you can live the life you want. Blindness is not what holds you back. We'd love your feedback. Email podcast at nfb.org or call 410-659-9314, extension 2444.